I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Smith. I cover Burnley and I work for Omnisport News. Hi, I'm Jake, Newcastle fan. You get me on Twitter at JakeJack with two ends. All right, thanks so much for joining me today, guys. I think where we have to start uh, is with Manchester City falling to Norwich yesterday. Uh, some pretty phenomenal odds out there, so congrats to anybody bold enough uh, to pick up that. Um, but this is a, a pretty slow start for Manchester City. Um, they've already lost a third of the amount of points this season than they did in all of last season. Do you think it's time at all to start being worried for them, or do you think this is just an early blip and they'll sort things out and they'll still kind of be on course for that title-challenging pace? I think it's interesting because ordinarily you'd say 10 points from five games is fine. Um, But obviously City have sort of reset the dial in the last couple of years of what is expected of not just them, but anyone who wants to pose a title challenge. So the fact that they're five points behind Liverpool already, obviously it's very early days, but if you're a City fan, I think it's already got to be a bit concerning. The goals they conceded yesterday against Norwich were so sloppy, so poor. You just can't win a league if you're going to concede goals like that. Obviously, the Laporte injury is massive for them player who's been central to their success in the last year or so. Um, and the centre-backs they were playing yesterday, Stones and Otamendi, they just don't look anything like the sort of level that Port broke. Um, I think it was telling at the end of last season when Stones had played basically the whole campaign, Guardiola went to company because he wanted the experience, he wanted the leadership. Um, and since then, Stones hasn't really looked... He just hasn't looked right. I think when he's played for City, when he's played for England, there's been something a bit off. Um, and I think when you play a player like Stones, who he's always going to have a mistake in him because of the way he uses the ball. He's very keen on playing out of the back, which suits City. But I think if you play a player like Stones with someone like Otamendi, it's very much similar. He's always make a mistake. It looks a bit like a recipe for disaster. That's what happened yesterday Norwich. What did they have? Four shots on target and scored three goals, but that was mm. because of the quality of the chances that they had. They were all and easy Pookie dragged goals. a shot wide that he potentially could have scored on a breakaway as yeah, well. Yeah, the thing with that chance was it was moments before before the Norwich third goal. Otamendi had given the ball away with a poor pass to Stones that he couldn't get rid of. And then moments later, did exactly the same thing again. So he didn't learn from his mistakes. And I think if you're Man City and you expect to win the league, I think that was unforgivable, really. 
Um, one thing that I pick out as well from yesterday's game I was covering at work was Rodri, who I'm a massive fan of Rodri. I thought he was going to be the player that would take them on um, in Europe, in particular where control of possession is even more important in the Premier League. He was at fault for the first goal. He got beaten in the air of the corner. Second goal, he went to win a 50-50, about 35 yards from the Norwich goal and lost it. If you're the defensive midfielder and you lose 50-50 that far up the pitch, your team's in trouble. It doesn't matter what team you're in. Doesn't matter who's in defence. So those first two Norwich goals, look, Rodri was at fault for both. Um, and if Laporte's going to be out, he really has to be one of the players who steps up. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not really too concerned about City still. Um, the game yesterday was concerning, um, mainly because Norwich had so many injuries. Like you expected them to go there and win. But it's interesting they dropped De Bruyne. Um, I kind of get it because he's coming back from injury. Uh, done very well at the start of the season. Obviously went off with Belgium as well. And then but Champions League just, midweek as well. Yeah, exactly. But I just think he's... There's a few players in that City team where you just think if you take them out, they're noticeably... Well, not, not noticeably worse, but you just wouldn't want them to be missing out on a big game. So I think Laporte is one. Obviously he's going to be out for a while. So that's a big one. De Bruyne's another one. You'd probably say Aguero. Um, maybe Sterling at a push. Um, Fernandinho before this year, but I think Rodri's come in and done fine. Still still early days for him. But I, I think for me it is Laporte, um, De Bruyne and, and Aguero. And the fact that Laporte was missing, I wouldn't have taken De Bruyne out as well. I think you could probably rest him in the Champions League and that would have been a better one to rest him for. So I thought that was interesting. Um, obviously, he came on the second half and didn't do much, but the game was already um, you know, gone by that point, or at least it was. They were, they were chasing the game and Norwich were sitting back a little bit more and, and just the general momentum and confidence that, that you get at home when you're winning a game like that, especially after scoring two goals. It, it's difficult to bring it back from there. So I, I thought that was an interesting one. Um, and I think that the way he manages to bring going forward is going to be interesting because I just think they're just so, so much better with him in. Uh, just the way the attack was so much quicker through transition and just um, the, the amount of chances they create. They're just a second ahead of the other opposition team. So I think they, they need to get him back and play in most of the Premier League games. I think I'd probably rest him out of Europe to start off with. Um, but yeah, I'm not too worried. I think with City, they the fact that Liverpool have got this five-point head start, it might, it's it's a diff, it's a different dynamic for them. But I think it's it's one that they might thrive in, really being the chasing team. I, I think when Liverpool did go ahead last season, um, City stepped up their game immediately after. Um, I think it was five points behind, wasn't it? And Liverpool had a chance to go seven points ahead, but then they drew. So, yeah, I think they they and then after that they didn't lose another game in the league. Uh, City, I think they won all of them. So. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be too worried. It's early days. Um, I think the Tottenham game, they should have won that. And I think nine times out of ten, they win that based on the chances they've created at both ends. Um, I think, Kev, you, you'd agree to that, that City were just, you know, streets ahead that mm, day and yeah. very unlucky. And yesterday, again, it was just, they probably deserved not to win the game, but it, it's just one of those games and they've got to move on from it. I'm not too worried. I think that Liverpool at the start of the season haven't filled me with confidence either. Um Obviously conceded a lot of goals, um, only kept one clean sheet in the league. Um, and if you, you know, factor in the community shield and the, the Super Cup, which some won't, but they didn't keep a clean sheet in either one of those games either. So I don't think Liverpool are looking like best slick best yet. Um, obviously haven't had many major tests in the league. Um, so yeah, it, it's early days. I think that I still think City are likely to win the Premier League. Um, but the, the Laporte injury uh, is, is a a big blow uh, this early and 
I don't think that Stones and Otamendi are a partnership going forward. It might be that bringing Fernandinho into that back too, especially in games against um, teams where they're going to have a lot of possession. Um, maybe you see Watford on uh, next weekend. I think that's a game where you don't really want Otamendi and Stones playing together. I just think they're going to make too many errors to, to make a, a viable um, partnership going forward. Yeah, both of you pointing out the defense is kind of the weak point there, especially with the Laporte injury. Jake saying that he still thinks that City are probably title favorites. Uh, just kind of following up on that, Jamie, where do you see them finishing the year? Obviously, it's super early, but do you, do you think they're still title favorites? Yeah, I think they probably are. I think, um, obviously, when Dupron in the plays, I think they are the best team in the league by a long way. I don't know why Guardiola left him out on Saturday. Um, certainly agree with Jake that when you're already down an important player, he should have played that game. And I think the fact that he came on with what an hour gone was a sign that Pep maybe understood that he got that wrong. Um, but obviously, benefit of hindsight, who knew Norwich was going to go to him up? Um, I think what is interesting in the title race, if we can even call it a title race when we're so early in the campaign, is that Liverpool won five in a row. And like Jake said, they haven't even looked that good. So they've clearly taken lessons from last season. It looks like you're just not really going to be able to drop many points. They look really, really strong to me, Liverpool. So I think um, it might be even closer than, than last season. But I think when De Bruyne is available, if he's going to be fit for most of the year, I think City are going to be too good. Yeah, agree with how silly it is to really ask this question this early in the season. But I guess the the intent was just to show like the panic meter probably isn't that high it, internally at City. Of course, with Pep's comments about uh, congratulating Liverpool in September. Um, but yeah, it, it's just I, I don't think it's quote unquote concerning yet. Um, but it is interesting and definitely something to watch kind of throughout the season if they continue to struggle defensively and if that comes to cost them a significant amount of points. At the other end of the table are not all of the promoted sides. Um, Aston Villa, the only promoted side currently in the bottom three. Uh, Sheffield United and Norwich already picked up points against some big six sides. Sheffield United with the draw against Chelsea. Uh, Norwich, of course, with the toppling of aforementioned City uh, this weekend. Uh, Curious to get your guys' takes on whether or not you feel that the media in general or us even on the show have uh, underestimated the abilities of these promoted sides this year. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting how well they've all started. Um, I was certainly one of the people who thought they were all going to struggle. Um, I was probably saying the three promoted teams' favourites to go down. I wouldn't have been surprised at all if that was the case. Um, I think what they've all done is utilised momentum quite well. So Norwich have won both of their games at home, I think. Um, so far, two wins out of... Both their wins have come at home. Um, so they've shown that they can pick up points at home, even against a team like City. Tibu Puki obviously looks cut out for the Premier League completely, considering he's 29 years old. He's been all of Europe, failed at Celtic before earlier in his career, but seems to find the Premier League really easy so far. So, yeah, I think um, in terms of Norwich, having a, reg- a regular, reliable goal scorer. It's a huge plus to them. And if Pookie can continue to find the net regularly, I think he's got the potential almost on his own to keep Norwich away from that sort of trouble. Um, Villa, I'm still not sure about Villa. I saw him get a good result against Everton, but 
I'm still getting foam vibes off them. I think a lot of the players they brought in are just not that good. Um, Sheffield United, I think, are probably the most interesting of the three teams. What I really liked was before the international break, Chris Wilder was on Match of the Day, um, and he said, his question about their spirit, they've not got a result, but he said spirit and effort is like the minimum that we expect. He absolutely doesn't want Sheffield United to be known as like a gritty, hardworking, northern, provincial team because you need to be better than that. You can't just stay up from trying. All teams try. So I think they've got a lot of the sort of patronising media coverage that maybe Burnley got in the first season we had in the Premier League under Owen Coyle. And they've shown they've got more about them than just trying really hard. The overlapping centre-backs thing has obviously been covered really extensively in the mm. media, but they've brought a new tactic to the Premier League. When was the last time you saw a, pre- a promoted team do that? Yeah. Bring something new to the table that everyone's then talking about. Um, Billy Sharp obviously got signed off yesterday, rightly so, but he's the sort of player that can get goals, I think, at any level if he gets a chance at the provider. So from what I've seen of them in the early weeks, I think they've got a real chance as well. Obviously, what all this means is that if you support a club like I do, like Burnley or Jake, like Newcastle, then you may be a bit more worried that the three teams that have come up that you maybe hope were going to be weak are looking quite strong so far. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I, I'm a little bit more worried about Newcastle based on the, the early form of Norwich and Sheffield United especially. Um, I think with Sheffield United, that remind me a lot about um, remind me a lot of Cardiff last season, although I think that um, Wilder has probably got more about him to to adapt to the top flight than Warnock uh, has done in his multiple efforts of being a Premier League manager. But I think based, they've got a lot of quality in their squad, but there's there's not many players there that you look at and you think, oh, I'd want them at my club. Um, I think there's a handful, but it's, it's, I still think they're one of the weaker teams in terms of pure talent, but maybe that's just because they haven't established themselves as Premier League players yet, and that might come. So there's still a little bit of an unknown about Sheffield United, but agree with Jamie, especially with the, the overlapping centre-backs and some of the tactical trends shown by Sheffield United. They, they're going to be an interesting team to watch, um, and I think they're, they're going to be difficult for, for some of the more standard managers in the league to maybe come up against. Um, they, obviously, they, they've got a win, they've had a win over Crystal Palace. Um, Roy Hodgson as a manager, we've got Steve Bruce. I think it's it's those type of games that they're going to do really well in. So it, I, I think they are going to going to have a real fighting chance of staying up. I think Norwich, again, I think they're. I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned about their defence still. Uh, I was concerned about that last season in the Championship, and, and they sort of managed to find a a partnership in the end that that got them through, and they they weren't conceding too many uh, as the season progressed. But I. Just, I still don't think that their defence is great. I think they've had a lot of injuries um, recently to obviously to beat City with, with some of their key players. That was huge. But you look at their team and you still think Buendia, Puki uh, are the two two best players in that team. Obviously, Cantwell's doing very well at the start of the season as well. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to they're, they're gonna have a chance just because if you play that type of football, in some games you will... This outscore the opposition, uh, especially some of the some of the teams lower down the table. But um, I just I, I would be worried, um, especially when the confidence and sort of the momentum sort of dies as it often does as a promoted team. I'd be worried about them then. But I think they've got a, a real chance. Um, and Villa, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the same as Jamie. I'm not too convinced on Villa yet. I think that 
sort of similar to Fulham last season. They brought in the Toomey players, I think, and I, I'm not sure many of them are, are that good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that for me, Sheffield United and Norwich have both got an, an excellent chance. I think Villa will probably go down. I think I haven't seen enough from them yet, but that may come. Uh, I also don't think Dean Smith is is the best manager, or it hasn't even been one of the better managers in the Championship in recent years. So I'm not too convinced he he's gonna last too long. But it's interesting. I I, I definitely think that the the at the bottom of the league, the quality is. It's quite good this year, I think. Um, we look at Southampton; they've come on a lot. I think Palace are just going to be Palace, um, and they're just normally just getting enough wins to stay up. And I think they look exactly the same this season. Burnley, obviously, have looked very good early on um, in some of their matches, especially against Southampton. Um, and then again, um, in a couple more games, Ashley Barnes obviously on fire. So I'm not too worried about them. I think Brighton are, are interesting under Potter. Newcastle, obviously, was brought in some biggish name players and we're sort of looking okay. So I, I don't think there's going to be one team that gets cut adrift. Um, even Watford, who, who lost their first three games, they looked a lot better today and probably should have beaten Arsenal. So I think it's going to be an interesting season in terms of at the bottom. I don't think any team are going to be cut adrift and we could see even into you know March, April, we could see as many as eight eight sort of teams that have been in that relegation zone for a little bit of the season and just keep changing about. I think it, it should, could be a really exciting season. And I think for me, Villa right now, the only team I'm confident in saying I think will go down and the, the other two spots, I'm really not sure. Hmm. It'll be a very stressful season if it is in, indeed eight or so teams all fighting down there at the bottom of the table. Which side do you think is the best of this triumvirate? Is it Norwich, who obviously have been so impressive with Pukki up front, or do you think it is Sheffield United with their crazy tactics, as Jamie alluded to? I think it's hard to say. I mean, having watched Norwich yesterday beat the champions with 11 players, I think it was, missing. Um, I, I think that's, that's the sort of result that can hopefully, for them, sort of really kickstart their campaign. Um, hopefully, if you're a Canaries fan, you're not looking back at that result thinking that's the sort of result that proved that we could do it and then we didn't do it regularly. Um, so they have to show that they can back up that victory. But I think the way they played against City, they obviously pressed ferociously. They've got Pukki up front, who's a reliable goal scorer. I agree with what Jake said about the defence. I think they can be vulnerable at the back. But I think they of the three look like they've got the most cohesive um, team that can then go out and get results in not just games like City at home where they wouldn't be expected to get anything but I think when they play teams at home they have to be I think they look like they've got the goals they've got the firepower they've got the organisation spirit desire all the things that you need to promote team I think Norwich seems to have the full package All right, we will move on now to Chelsea, of course, a team that Sheffield United uh, drew with earlier this season. Earlier this season, we're like five games in. Um, but anyway, uh, they have finally turned to their academy products, much as we expected coming into the season, um, considering their transfer ban and the amount of high-level talent that had been out at, at relatively high-level loans uh, of late. Of course, Abraham, Mount, Tamori all coming back into the starting team and then you'll have Calum Hudson-Odoi in that group kind of coming back when they get fit. Uh, but it's paid off pretty well thus far. Yesterday uh, definitely helped with uh, Abraham getting a hat-trick and then also an own goal, which is a bit weird. Mount getting in on the action as well. 
Do you think that with these kind of performances from the youngsters coming up through the academy that there might be a fundamental philosophy shift at Chelsea? Or do you think this is just kind of a one-off this year because they had the transfer ban and next year they'll get back to buying all the young talent and, and loaning them out everywhere? I really hope so. I think um, what we've probably seen from Chelsea in the last maybe two, three, four years is a real lack of a plan from the top. Um, and I think we've seen Man City and Liverpool sort of streak away because they've got this overarching philosophy, plan, however you want to describe it. it comes from the top. It informs everything that they do from play recruitment, tactics, to what they're doing training. It's all built around what they want to achieve and the way they want to do it. Um, Chelsea have obviously had this sort of boom and bust cycle where they've brought in elite managers who have managed to squeeze as much as they can from the squad. And sometimes it's got them a title, sometimes it's got them a Europa League title, whatever. But it's gone wrong quickly afterwards. So I think... What Frank Lampard's been able to do, and I think it was a good decision to go for someone who knew some of the young players, who knew the club sort of the inside out, when they knew they had this transfer ban, it seems like they've finally got some joined up thinking at Chelsea, rather than let's just buy the best players we can, let's get the best coach we can with the money. So it seems like they've finally got a cohesive idea about what they want to do. And I think from an England perspective, the fact that so many of these players are homegrown, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Tamori, you're supposed to go yesterday, all qualified to play for England. And you've got to be extremely positive about what this could mean for the national team. Chelsea have been hoarding these players for years and years. And finally, they're getting a chance to play. I've got, I've got to say, Tammy Abraham, when he's played in the Premier League before, I didn't think he had it. Whatever it is, the sort of little X factor that a striker needs to make it in the Premier League. I just didn't think he had it, whether it was a lack of ruthlessness or just a bit of canniness, knowing what to do in every situation. And I just didn't think he quite had it, but goals like that we scored yesterday, the header in particular, I didn't even spot it until seeing the analysis later, but he gave the defender a little tug on the arm just to buy himself that second to move in front. And it seems like the things that I thought he didn't have, he's picked up in the last couple of years. So it looks like Tammy Abraham in the minute has got everything for a young striker. It looks really, really exciting. Mason Mount as well. I think he's shown the benefit of going out alone, playing a lot of games in the championship, which can be sort of a finishing goal. So I think for Chelsea, it all looks like it's kind of coming together. The flip side is, they're going to have games like Sheffield United at home where the lack of experience tells and they make mistakes and they give away points that they had in the bag. So they're not title contenders. They're going to have a battle on to finish fourth. But if they stick with Lampard, if they stick with the plan, if they stick with this group of players who have huge amounts of talent and technical ability, they could be a thrilling team in a couple of years. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what James just said there. I think that You've got to look at this Chelsea team and see it as a real opportunity for the club. Um, to stop relying on the, those big money signings and to to produce a coherent plan going forward of how to get these young players into the team. Because you, you look at 
uh, Mount Abraham, Tamori, uh, obviously Hudson Adoy and, and Reese James, who we haven't seen a lot of, but but were ex- who uh, James especially was excellent in the championship last season. Um, you look at them and you think this does look like a very good generation of young players. But Chelsea have had the, these players coming through time and time again before, um, and they just haven't been given opportunities, and then they've just fallen. You know, they've lost confidence and just their progression has slowed. Um, you know, this could have happened to, to these players now if Chelsea continued signing big play, uh, uh, signing players and, and not giving them a chance. I think we would we wouldn't have seen them produce this elsewhere. I, I think it can be difficult to go from you know being so highly rated as, as a player at Chelsea to go and find success elsewhere. Um, and that's that's why you're seeing more and more players leave at an earlier stage, um, especially going to the Bundesliga. We've seen Sancho obviously go on and do well there. We've seen Lookman go over there, do well, come back, still not being given a chance and have to go back there. So it's it comes at a good time at Chelsea. But I think it, they would have been able to bring this type of player through at any point. They just haven't had have, had the the opportunity to do so. And managers have been under so much pressure that they haven't been able to bring these players in. But you, you look at Abraham, especially. Um, he wasn't great at Swansea, but I don't think that the style suited him there. And also, I think he's a, a player that needs to have the, the full confidence of, of the coaches. Um, I think his spell at Villa, although it might have been seen as a step back at the time, it gave him an opportunity to to go rebuild his confidence, play it week in, week out for for a big team with, with big expectations. And I think that, that loan spell has, has done the, the world of good. And I don't think we'd have seen Abraham be able to do this last season. So um, I, th- I think it's just a really exciting time for Chelsea. Uh, and when they can sign players again, they're going to have to 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 bring in the experience and the quality to to complement this group of players because I think there's still definite holes in the team at, at the back, um, at fullback as well. I think could be improved, but you've got to say it's exciting for Chelsea and and just the fact they've got no expectation on them this season. They they, they go into uh, a Premier League season where top six would would be seen as fine. They've got a Champions League campaign which. There's going to be no expectation on them in that, and they've got a, a group where you know it it looks difficult, but also none of the teams look like they're great either. So any of those four could go through. So it's exciting for Chelsea, and I think that Abraham and Mount that they're, they're only going to get better. I think that Hudson Odoi is going to add a lot to this team as well when he comes in, and I think Reese James as well is going to is add, going to add a lot, and I think he's probably going to get minutes at right back, whereas Pellegrini is probably being one of the weaker players in the Chelsea team. So I think it's just exciting. Um, I don't think they would have been given a chance if they didn't have a transfer ban, but they've got to take the positives. Um, and if, you know, Abramovich can't compete with the very highest uh, transfer fees and stuff anymore, as, as the money seems to have been going away uh, slightly, I think they need to look at that academy and just maybe change approach uh, and have a, a bit of a long, more long-term approach. Um, because Pep Guardiola isn't going to be around forever. Jurgen Klopp's not going to be around forever. There's going to be an opportunity to, in the coming years to to go back to to the top of English football. And if you've got a a group of players like this, and you've got an academy that can continue to produce players like this, why not make the most of it? Because I don't think there's any other academy in the top six that can produce players like this as much as Chelsea do. I think Chelsea have just seem to have locked that down recently, um, winning all the, the youth cups and doing really well in, in you know, the Champions League equivalent for for the academy team. So I think they need to to use that. And, and they've had the perfect opportunity, even if it's been by accident, they've, they've got to continue down this route and give these players a chance. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that they're being forced into this and then see it work, because I, I do think it makes it more likely that 
long term they try to apply this strategy and also if they do need a bit of short-termism every now and again because they have this core together so like you mentioned the the wing backs or the defensive backs maybe if all of a sudden they're struggling then maybe you go out and you get one but then you're just plugging one hole but you still have that core together long term um so yeah i, I think it's very promising times ahead Uh, for Chelsea Football Club, much to my own chagrin. All right, we will take a quick break, and then we'll be back to ask club-specific questions for each of our guests. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. All right, and we are back. Uh, Jamie, I'll come to you first to ask you about Burnley. Uh, It was a pretty surprising end to the European transfer window, at least from uh, what I saw, in terms of Stephen DeFore being allowed to leave. This is a player that obviously had a lot of injury issues, but when he was on the pitch was still pretty terrific. He leaves, but maybe that's at least, um, you know, mitigated a bit by the signing of Danny Drinkwater. Then he has off the pitch issues. What do you make of your central midfield at the moment? And what did you make of those two decisions, both bringing in Drinkwater and letting DeFore go? Yeah, I think it's it's been tricky. I think, not that I'm saying other clubs don't do this, but Burnley and Sean Dyche have made a big point of trying to do what's best for players as humans, as well as footballers, sort of assets on the balance sheet. So, for example, January, Sam Volks wasn't playing a lot. Stoke City came in for him, and we managed to do a deal where Volks could go there, play more football. We got Crouch in return, who could basically fill the same backup option role. So while it wasn't a great decision on paper, footballistically, <laughs> everyone sort of got what they needed from that deal. Um, and I think that's what we've seen with the Stephen DeFore transfer. Um, I've been a massive fan of Stephen DeFore. I think when we finished seventh a couple of years ago, the first half of the season, Stephen DeFore was basically running games for us. He was our best player. Uh, scored a couple of incredible goals. I think technically, he's probably the best player I've seen play for Burnley in 20-odd mm-hmm. years of going to see them. Um, so, obviously, part of me is gutted that he's not going to play for us again. The flip side is he's had a very difficult time. His dad died. He's had a lot of injury problems. And I think the injuries have basically meant that Dash hasn't been able to rely on him and therefore hasn't trusted him. So there have been opportunities where he's been available and then he's been on the bench because Dash has preferred to stick with the team that's played when DeFore's not been available. So 
I think even if you hadn't had the personal issues and they made a big point of the fact that personal issues was why the contract was sort of cancelled and we didn't get a fee for him. Um, I think even if that wasn't in play, I think before leaving was probably likely just because of the injuries and the lack of trust that Dyche seemed to have in it. Um, the drinkwater situation also has this sort of... Um, factor at play because of the the nightclub incident that's apparently happened a couple of weekends ago um, depending on which newspaper you read um, he got himself sort of involved in this situation and was then set upon afterwards um, I don't personally believe that anything you really do in a nightclub if you're chatting up someone you shouldn't I don't think it means that you deserve to get beaten up outside uh, despite a lot of people seemingly taking that view um, and a lot of it is speculation we haven't heard from Drinkwater his side of the story what happened um, but it does seem to be the case that he was in a nightclub late at night these things can happen Dice seems to have taken that view um, but I don't think he'll get let off with it again I think this is very much a sort of final warning situation earlier in the year he got in trouble for drink driving when he was still at Chelsea so, could be that he's got an alcohol problem. I don't want to speculate for that, but there's obviously off the field issues been prevalent for Danny Drinkwater in the last year or so. Um, and we don't tend to take gambles on players like that as a club. I think um, essentially with the default situation and the lack of cover in the squad, it's a case of who can we get who's available who needs to sort of rebuild their career, Drinkwater certainly filled that criteria. Um, but I think already he's not even played in the Premier League for us yet. I think already he's sort of in last chance saloon sort of territory. If gets himself involved in a scrape like that again, I think that'll be done and we'll send him back. Um, and <laughs> just to talk about football, which I'd love to just talk about football, we have to talk about this off-the-field stuff as well. I don't see how he fits into the team, to be honest. Um, I prefer Cork and Westwood with partnership. Um, I'm not sure Drinkwater works as a two. Well, Leicester won the league. He obviously played with Kante, who's almost like having two players in one. I'm not sure Drinkwater's got the legs, the energy, mobility to play in a two-man midfield, which is the formation that we see weathered to this season. So, I think he's basically going to sit on the bench and have a lot of time to think about his life and what he's doing. And hopefully he's going to be able to stay on the right path. But we haven't seen that so far. Yeah, and a different, uh, more optimistic news. Uh, Burnley currently lead the league in accurate crosses. Of course, you have a lot of talent in wide areas and a little bit less <laughs> in central areas, as we literally just discussed. Do you think that will be your primary way of creating goals throughout the season? I think so, yeah. I think if you're going to play two up front, then getting crossed into the box and sort of trying to hit those plays early is probably the right tactic. Um I don't really like the perception that some people have of Burnley as like a long ball, basic sort of football team. I think if you look at the goal that we scored at Brighton in injury time, when most teams will probably be just humping it forward and trying to pick up bits and pieces, we work the ball from back to front on the floor. First, 
sort of one touch passing a back heel into a 25 yard drive finish that's a very good goal however you look at it so I think we have shown that we can do that uh, but yeah I think the, the quality that we have out wide could not play yesterday was injured hopefully that's not the long term McNeil missed international duty because of an injury but was fit enough to play yesterday he was involved in the goal so we do have strength in depth in that position there's Lennon Robbie Brady as well so yeah, I think that's that's a position where we do have quality and quantity, whereas maybe at centre-back and central midfield, we have a strong first 11, but not necessarily the cover. Whereas yesterday, we saw Goodman's going to play and we were able to bring in Aaron Lennon, who's a former England international who's played in the Champions League and stuff. So um, we have that ability. Anyone who's listened before has probably heard me rave about Dwight McNeil, so I don't Sorry, need to former, do that. Future Ballon d'Or winner, Dwight McNeil. <laughs> future multiple Ballon d'Or winner, Dwight <laughs> McNeil. So I don't need to bang on and on about him, but his delivery is so consistent. If you get him the ball in a wide area, chances are it'll get a good ball into the box. And I think his ability, consistency, quality on the ball has really given us faith and trust that we can just give him the ball, a 19-year-old, and he'll make things happen. So I don't think we can be over-reliant on him, but I think he shows the sort of foundation that our attack's going to take. There's going to be a lot of pass to Dwight McNeil. He can make magic things happen. Yeah, certainly good having McNeil on that left side. I think he's fifth or sixth right now in that category, inaccurate crosses. So uh, definitely know what he can do. And it is impressive that he's able to turn in uh, kind of consistent performances at that age when usually, you know, players are coming up to kind of give you blips every here and then. Yeah. Uh, Jake, coming to you now to talk a little bit about Newcastle. Jetro Willems uh, had a fantastic goal yesterday. Uh, obviously, Joel Ten scored against Tottenham back then. Uh, aside from those... Uh, in general, how have you viewed uh, the new signings and how they fit into the team? Um, yes, yeah, I'm still not a, very confident about some of the new signings. Um, I think Jolinton looks good. Um, I think his hold of play, especially, has been excellent, uh, and he seems he, he has a, a, a real presence up top. I think the only thing with him at the moment is we're not really creating a lot of chances for him, um, and we're not seeing him get into goal scoring positions enough um and i think he's or he's often played as as, as part of a two and, and that does show at times but he's definitely got the physical attributes and everything to, to be a success as a, as a lone front man it's just a little bit about the the tech technical side and sort of like the just the intelligence that, that comes about being a, a lone front man that we obviously saw salomon rondon had everything to play that role and i think jolinton has has the potential to but He's still young, and, and you can tell he's a 22-year-old um, coming into a new country. It, it's obviously difficult, but I think he looks, he's, he's a good. And I think that if we can get a team with Almiron and, and St. Maximin in it as well, I think we're probably going to see him get more chances. Um, but he showed, you know, the chance he had against Tottenham was a, a difficult chance where, you know, he had a lot of time to think about it. And, and it's often those chances that that can be the more difficult ones to score, especially if, you know, you don't have a, a long history of being a, a 20 goal a season striker and he took that well. Um, so I think he, 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 it's been a positive start, but playing in a, in a team like Newcastle, you, you're not going to get many chances and the ones you do get, 
you sort of kind of have to make it for yourself with your movement and, and, and stuff. And Rondon was so good at doing that. And it's, it's still early days for Jolinton. Um, and it's games like next week against Brighton that we're going to have to see more from him. Um, uh, the, the Watford game, he was good, but again, he didn't really get into goal scoring opportunities enough. So it, it's, yeah, it, it, he's good. But, you know, if you're spending £40 million on a striker, you, you want him to score goals. Um, and hopefully that will come. But it, it, it's it's positive signs for him early on, I think. And it was always going to be difficult to replace Rondon. And he does look like he's going to eventually develop into that player. Um, so he, he's looked good. I think Willems has, has looked good going forwards, but he, he's a bit dodgy at the back. Um I think I'd prefer Richie in that that role um, going uh, in the long term, but he's a fine, um, and he's you can see he's got so much talent, and he's had talent since coming through at PSV, and, and injuries held him back. He was one of the more creative fullbacks at one point in Europe, and then uh, that was in the Eredivisie, of course. But you know, he, he looked like he had everything to to be the modern day attacking fullback, and injuries have held him back. But he's he's looked really good in that that respect, but I still think. I'd rather see somebody who's a little bit more solid at the back because that's just the, the real the realism of being a team fighting relegation. You'd rather have that solidity at the back. But he's um, a good. I think on the other side of Kraft, he, he hasn't really looked. He hasn't convinced me yet. He he looks like he's okay going forwards and okay defensively, but not very good either. And he had that chance against Liverpool when it's two one. You know regardless of whether you're a fullback or a, or whatever you are as a professional football, you should be getting out on target and probably scoring that one. Um, and if, if he scores there, you know, we go to Liverpool and both of our, our fullbacks have scored against, you know, the best two attacking fullbacks in the league, which would have been funny. But yeah, I think that he, he looks, it's early days for him, but he looks okay. But he doesn't, doesn't look like he's a million miles better than Mankia or Yedlin, who were pretty much just average last season. I, I think we've just brought in another average right back, which is a disappointing, but yeah, it, it, it looks fine. Um, I think say Maximum was the one I was really excited about uh, and he's just barely played. He, he looked exciting when he came on against Arsenal and he got rushed back to play against Norwich, got taken off after about 20 minutes and we haven't seen him since. So hopefully he gets back fit because I think he's going to, I think he's going to be frustrating to watch, but he's going to add more quality to our, our attack. He's going to, you know, beat players and and have that dynamism that maybe we don't have at the moment. So, hopefully, he comes back soon. He he'll be a good addition. But yeah, I haven't seen enough of him to really judge. And then obviously there's Carroll, who we know everybody knows about Andy Carroll. He's I think he's probably going to be back in some form against Brighton. So that's just going to be it's going to be a good occasion if nothing else. Um, probably the best player we've had come through our academy in recent years. So it'd be fun to have him back. Um, and I think he's. It would be nice to to have a, a slightly different option to Joel and Turner. And I think that he's been injured so many times, Andy Carroll, but I think he's still probably got the ability to do all right at Premier League level. Uh, and I think coming back to Newcastle, the only move that made sense as a Premier League club, because I I, I think he has the, just the, the passion to, to play for Newcastle. He actually has that drive to get fit and actually stay fit, whereas I don't really think he had that at West Ham. Um, I think he sort of lost his his love for the game that maybe he had as a young player, which is obviously going to happen when you're having these big money moves, then you're not really playing much and you're getting injured. It, it can be difficult, but I think he's, I think people are going to be surprised when he comes back. I think he can really offer something. Um, and just hopefully he can stay fit for longer than a couple of weeks, because I think he, he could add something slightly different to our attack. And I think he's going to be just, it's just it's going to be nice to see him back and interest and see what happens. Um, if he does nothing, he does nothing, but as a free transfer on a pay-as-you-play deal, there's not really much that can go wrong. So I think having Carroll and uh, 
St. Maximum back is going to add a lot to our attack because at the moment it is very reliant on Almiron, um, his pace and behind, and he's still obviously going through a, a phase where he looks really, really good until he gets to the final uh, final third, and he just just has no confidence whatsoever. And just I think with Almiron, once he, once he starts, once he gets one goal or uh, or a couple of assists, we're probably going to going to see it on a more consistent basis. But it's just getting that first one at the moment, so it's just a very I think we look fine at the start of the season, but it's just a we need a little bit more from from the attacking players especially, um, and we just need to find a system that sort of gets the best out of them um, because it does still look a little mismatched at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned some of the attacking players there, but I'm going to switch to defence. Fabian Schar uh, has obviously had a pretty good uh, career at Newcastle thus far. Leaves yesterday's match, um, then. Steve Bruce says it might just be a uh, cramp or it might be a tear in his calf. Uh, curious if there's any update on that or if he does go missing, uh, who you think will step in? Um, yeah, I'm not, I haven't seen much about it today. So um, hopefully it's not a, a tear because I think he's he's our best player by far. Um, so yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be a massive disappointment if he did go out. I don't, it didn't look too bad on the day. Uh, I think he continued for a bit after he initially went down as well. So hopefully, hopefully it's not serious because he, he just adds so much to our team, both in defence and attack. That just the, I've never seen a, a defender score more goals from open players. Fabian Shaw, he seems to do it all the time at any club he's at. He's just incredible to watch. See, I don't think I don't think we could replace him. I think it would be I think Fernandez is the only other defender we've got, so he'd probably come in. But yeah, it's not much of a like for like. Um, I think Lejeune is, is close to coming back in, in maybe the next month, so that would be quite good to have him back. Um, and there's been talk about moving Shaw up to, to midfield, which is interesting. Uh, whether that happens or not, I'm not sure. But yeah, if he was if he was out, he's there's few players that Newcastle have that I'd be that disappointed about being injured for a long time because I, I don't think we have that many players that sort of stand out as, as genuine quality in our team. It's just we've got players that can come in and do a similar job, but Shah is one of those that... If he was out, he'd be a massive miss. I think I'd even rather have LaSalle's injured than than Shah. So yeah, hopefully he's not too bad and he's back for next week. Gotcha. All right, we'll move on from there into Player Watch, where I just wanted to talk about a player that has disappointed you thus far this season for your club. Yeah, I think this is it's it's so early in season, it's difficult. Um, I think Chris Ward is maybe a contender for Burnley. Um, I feel bad about this because I've defended Chris Ward for a lot of his Burnley career and I still think he's the sort of player that when he gets the right service he'll score goals um, yesterday he had a couple of I wouldn't even say they were half chances they were sort of quarter chances other people shooting and then miss hit efforts going towards him and he couldn't quite turn them in like it's not his fault that someone else didn't shoot on target in the first place but with the benefit of slow motion replays, it kind of looked like he maybe should have put one of them in. Um, I think if you're a striker, the longer you go without scoring a goal, obviously you start to worry a bit about confidence. Um, but he's just not had that many clear-cut chances. Um, but the benefit for Burnley is that we have got alternatives now, whereas in recent seasons we've maybe not had the options up front. Um but signing Jay Rodriguez to come back, he came off the bench yesterday, had a decent impact. Matty Vidra, who we've seen very little of and we've spoken about before, Kevin, when I've been on the show, he just doesn't seem to ever get any chances. 
he settled the goal off coming off the bench yesterday. So hopefully he's going to get more of a look now. Um, and it might be that Chris Wood will drop out the team and Rodriguez will start um, soon, maybe even in the weekend against Norwich. Um, I don't think he's played badly this season. I think he's just this little striker that he needs chances to fall his way. And he seems quite streaky when he gets worn. He'll quite often score a few in a row. Uh, and it hasn't happened for him this season. Luckily, it has happened for Ashley Barnes and he's got most of that goal. So um, you're asking a lot if you want both of your strikers to be scoring at the same time consistently. So um, I'm not worried about Chris Wood. And I still think he's going to score goals this season in the Premier League. I just wonder if maybe it's the right time for him to drop out and Jerry Rodriguez maybe come into the team for next week. Yeah, for me, it's it's difficult. I don't think anybody has really stood out as being awful for Newcastle. Um, but nobody's really stood out as being great either. Um, I'd say for me, it's probably... Uh, the player that's probably disappointed me most is Almiron. Um, not because of his performance so much, just like when you're spending that much on a player uh, and he's sort of been the, the main point of your attack... He, he probably needs to be contributing something in goals and assists. Um, you can only go so far as as, as, as saying he's, he's doing it. He looks dangerous and he's willing runner and, he, and he, he looks like it's about to click. Like at some point it has to click for him and he needs to start producing the goals and assists. Uh, and he hasn't done yet. He's had chances to. Um, there was a big chance in the Watford game that he, he should have scored. Um, and he just looks like he he's a player that... He, his game is so much about doing things quickly, but when he gets to the final third, he needs to slow it down and, you know, think a little bit more about the shot he's going to take or the pass because it's just a little bit rushed at the moment. And and he needs, he's still young. He's obviously it's difficult to come from the MLS to the Premier League. Not many players have done it. Um, and his success is probably going to be the indicator of how many are going to do it after him. Uh, if he does well here, then. Premier League clubs might see the MLS as a viable market, so it's a lot of pressure on him. Um, and and playing for Newcastle, obviously, we're not a, the most attacking team. So when you do maybe um, mess up a chance, it it's more costly than it would be in most other teams because we don't have that many chances. Um, so yeah, I, th- I still think he's. I, I still think he will do well this season. He's going to be a successful sign in the long term. I, just, I would have hoped he he would have done better with the. The chance he's had in the final third, and until he gets his first goal or starts to score on a, a regular basis, there's always going to be that doubt about him. Gotcha. Uh, well, I haven't really piped up too much throughout the show, so I'll kind of leave it at just Davinson Sanchez has been really disappointing this year. I think four goals have been scored by people running off his back shoulder. He is such a good defender, and he has one kryptonite-esque part of his game and everyone knows what it is and exploits it at will uh we will finish up with match previews uh we'll start with you jake newcastle versus brighton surely at home you're going to hope to pick up the three points there uh yeah i'd hope to pick up the three points i think the brighton are good they look interesting this year under under potter they look they've got a lot of good players and and they're playing a, a more expansive style um and obviously that they, they took the headlines after the first weekend, uh, you know, beating Watford away in, in what was quite an eye-catching result. But since then, you know, they've had home games against Burnley and Southampton, um, only taken one point out of that. So you're probably a little bit disappointed with that. 
obviously went away and got bad by City and Guardiola spoke about how well he thought Brighton played, which of course you're going to think that if, if a team comes there and, and plays as open as they did, you're going to want more teams to do it. So you're going to give them the respect. But yeah, they've had, and, and their other home game against West Ham, they didn't they didn't win that either. So, you know, they, they won their first game in, in what was an excellent performance, but they haven't won in any of their four following that. So it's definitely a game you want to be winning at home. Um, we haven't won at St James Park this season uh, yet, which which is something that Steve Bruce needs to get off his back because we ha- we've gone through these runs at home in the last few seasons uh, with Benitez as manager, and I, th- I think that it's not going to be as noticeable in the atmosphere. It's not going to be as negative just because there's just an absolute apathy at home at the moment. People aren't turning up. Um, and just there's no atmosphere whatsoever. So I don't think it's going to be the negative atmosphere. But he, just, he needs to build some positivity, I think. He needs to, you know, football fans are fickle. Yeah, everyone hates Mike Ashley. But if you're winning games, it, the support will return. It always does. So he needs to, I think he needs to win this game. I think we've got some, we've had a tricky start to the season, really. I think it doesn't really get much easier for us in, in the next few weeks. Um, I think we've got, um, yeah, we've got Leicester, follow, Leicester and Manchester United following this. And then Chelsea, so... You know, this is the game that you go into and say we need the three points just to take off that 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 pressure that's going to come later on if we do get a few bad results in the next couple of weeks. We don't want to be that first team left languishing at the bottom of the table um, early on. So yeah, you've got. A, we didn't beat Watford a couple of weeks ago. That's the game that we probably should have won. Um, but this one we've got to win. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy, but we've got to win it. That's not really an excuse. Um, if you look, yeah, just based on what's coming up in the next few weeks, you've got to win this one. Otherwise, yeah, we are going to be cut adrift. So yeah, I don't, I'm not confident, but I'm hopeful. So I'll say, I'll say we'll, we'll win just because we, we have to. I'm just going to convince myself we will. So I'll say 2-1 uh, and hopefully Jolinton gets the goal because that would be a, a relief just to see him get, get another one and build that confidence. A very poor attempt at optimism from Jake there. Uh, Jamie, coming to you now uh, to talk a little bit about Burnley versus Norwich, of course, of whom we said many kind things at the start of the show. Yeah, well, before the Norwich result against City, actually, I saw this game described as a six-pointer, and I was just looking at the table going, really? <laughs> I mean, we're like 12th or something, so I think we're probably all right. <laughs> but yeah, no doubt, like, the promoted teams at home, these are the sort of games that if you feel like you're a team that should stay up and maybe even have aspirations to finish higher, certainly the sort of game that you feel like you need to win. Um, but Norwich can beat Man City, so the beauty of the Premier League is anything can happen. Um, we've maybe not got as many points as we should have at this stage of the season. Yes, Brighton, we needed a late goal, but feel like we probably should have got more out of the Arsenal and Southampton games earlier in the season. So five points from five games isn't fantastic. I mean, fine. Not worried at all. And I think Norwich at home is sort of game that could hopefully be a springboard for us. Like I said, in the last section, I think maybe this is the right time to freshen up the attack a little bit. I'd like to see Rodriguez come back into the team. We obviously signed him in the summer, sort of hometown boy coming back to his first club. Um, and I think if we weren't going to play him, I don't really understand why we signed him. So I think this is maybe the right challenge to, to make that change. Um, Norwich, I think, can be got at. Um, 
they played quite open against City until about an hour in when they decided to sit back and try and soak up pressure. Quite interesting to see what approach they take against us because they'll probably feel if they come at us, they can win the game. But we've maybe got the experience, street smarts of being in the Premier League for a few years that could perhaps make the difference in this sort of match. Um, so having said all the nice things about Norwich earlier in the show, um, I'm quite happy to predict that we'll beat them. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if it was fairly handsomely, which will be 2-0 by our standards. Um, I think when you get a result like they did last weekend against City, there's quite often a significant drop in performance the week after. Um, not because everyone thinks, oh, we've got a great result for this month or whatever, just because naturally all the adrenaline, the effort that they put into that, they've still got this massive injury list for the 11 players out there, not all going to be back the next week, so they've still got problems. Um, and I think Burnley are maybe the sort of street smart team that could expose the weaknesses that were still unsure against City, even though they got the fantastic win. So I think Burnley would have had this down as a sort of game that they have to win at the start of the season. Like I said, promote a team at home. When you're counting up the points that you need to get to stay up first and foremost, these are the games that you look at and say, we have to win these. So um, it's not must win since far too early in the season for that, but I think Burnley should really have the, the quality, the know-how, the experience to, to make sure that they see this one through. All right, well, we will leave things there. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on. If you'd like to tell folks any projects you're working on or where they could find you, now would be a good time. Yeah, so I've been Jamie Smith. Um, I obviously cover Burnley, Sport Burnley. You can get me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sport. And if anyone wants to offer me a job or any freelance work, I'm open to offers at the minute. So hit me up. Thank you. Yeah, you can get me on Twitter at JakeJapp with two ends. Uh, also do the championship show on this channel. So check that one out. We should have a show coming in the next couple of days. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find my fantasy articles over at ESPN.com. Obviously, listen to me here, and then I cover uh, live matches for Omnisport as well. Uh, thanks again to you guys so much for coming on today. Really enjoyed it. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.